What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor, the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, also the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check us out on Off the Floor. Link is right here on the podcast feed as well as the YouTube feed pinned to the top of the Five Reasons Twitter page, $2.99 per month. We'll be opening up a new channel there, our 10th channel we're, we're we got this. We have more channels than our teams in the Eastern Conference soon. We got a new channel. It's going to be a Q and A channel where the four hosts of Five on the Floor each take a day and we answer your questions over there. So you tag us and we give you all the answers. So check it out or as many answers as we can give you. Anyway, uh, check it out. Subscribe to Off the Floor again. Two dollars and ninety nine cents per month. Link is right here in the description. Also check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Whose prize picks use the code five F I V E. Get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. If you're outside the state of Florida, you can just keep playing. If you're inside the state of Florida for now. Make your plays by Thursday night, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. And now, today's episode. Down to this day. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. i got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at BradyHawk305. Check out the last couple episodes that we did. Greg and myself uh, got into some of our favorite heat culture moments from the years all over the map, whether it was uh, an organizational decision, an altercation on the court that was kind of the inspiration for this, or anything else. So check out that episode as well as the episode that Greg and I did about the suspensions that the heat uh, were assessed because of the skirmish in New Orleans on Friday night, Jimmy Butler suspended for one game, Nikola Jovic for one game, Thomas Bryant for three games. And to our surprise, everybody else got off scot-free. So um, that worked out, I thought, better for the Heat than we anticipated. We thought Bam, Hero, Caleb Martin, others could be suspended. They're not, and so that means that they have most of their core intact for this back-to-back against the Kings, 10 o'clock Eastern, join us on playback, and then 10 o'clock the Moleskin Notebook Championship, uh, which Woj will be watching very carefully with the Heat in Portland on Tuesday night. But today we're going to talk about defense. That's the floor plan today. And Brady's going to break it down for us a little bit because, 
look, the offense we knew was going to be up and down and sometimes down for a while because it's just the nature of this, what this build has been, that the offense has been a lot based on the shooting, but even when they shoot well, sometimes the numbers are not great overall. But we expected them to be better defensively than they were for kind of the first third to half of the season. We are seeing that team now. Now, they had a team meeting to discuss the defense. I think people have pointed back to that. They're like, what, 7-2 and two since that happened. Um, I don't know how much to attribute something to a team meeting or just the players just deciding that they were going to give a damn or how much to scheme. Brady, what do you think is the major reason for the team's improvement? Because they're playing like a top-five defense over the past 10 games or so, and that was not the case earlier this season. Yeah, so I think it's it's definitely a couple things. I think, number one, uh, the point of attack defense, I feel like, has been way better this past month. You mentioned that since that, that film session or whatever, they're 7-2, and two, but, I, I mean, since that point, they've been the number one defense in the NBA. They're still the number one defense in February. I think they're up to top seven across the entire season, which is wild considering what you just said, that they, they felt like they were a little uneven to start the year. But the perimeter defense has been a lot better. Um, they've gone to zone a lot more, obviously, across the stretch. I think they've got they are going to it a little bit earlier than they wanted to because usually like to hold it out a little bit. But I think everybody in this league knows now at this point that they're going to go zone. This is not like one of those things that's supposed to keep you in his back pocket. Everybody knows they're going to it, so they could use it kind of whenever they want to. Uh, and you're kind of seeing that. Like even this last game's example, I thought they were really good defensively against the Pelicans. Part of the reason was at the top of that zone, Caleb Martin, I thought has been much better defensively this past month than he was early in the season. Guys like even Tyler, even Jaime Hawkins, I think I've, I've really held up uh, on the perimeter at the top of that zone in different ways. So I think that's a big part of it. They were kind of, they've really been on a string, it feels like, with the rotations, which is kind of the part that I think feel like we're most used to with a heat defense, especially when Bam's in there, because he can kind of limit everything that he wants, but it's more so about the rotations on the other side. And here's the, the the final thing. And we talked about this on playback the other day. They are they want a certain type of shot when they're defending. And we talked about it. There was there was the moment last season against campaign where we were at the heat game and Gabe Vincent was talking about basically, oh, we were basically just let him take the same shot 15 times. That's why we won, because we just kept making him take that same shot. That's a shot we wanted. Basically, the push shot in the middle of the floor, about 15 feet. So it's it got to the point now where it feels like they're pretty much forcing the same shots. Like they're getting to the point where they're kind of picking a couple of guys that they're going to let kind of get into that area and, and Bam's going to wall off the restricted area and not let you get into the paint and shoot around the rim, but they're going to make you shoot those short jumpers. And even a great example, it's not the probably the guy you want, but Zion Williamson last game, like they got to a point in that game where Bam was just walling off down low and letting Zion just kind of take those tough middle of the floor jumpers. He was making some of them, the little push shots, but at the at, got to the point in the fourth quarter where he stopped hitting them. Like there's there's an efficiency factor there where the odds are you're, the efficiency is not going to be there with that shot. So it feels like they're just really coming into form. And then the last guy I'll mention really quickly because I'm sure we're going to get into him. Jimmy's defending again. Like <laughs> we talk about Jimmy kind of hitting the next tier. Jimmy is really just starting to kind of you saw it a little bit pre All Star break, kind of in that February range. Uh, but this past game, I thought he was he he was kind of really good in that range. And I think I just looked at a number, Ethan. It was a uh, Pretty much when he's on the court in February, they have like a 97 defensive rating with him on the floor. <laughs> so that matches what we're seeing. They haven't added DeLon Wright to the mix. And you talk about the point of attack defense, which has gotten better. I, I'll go through some of the individuals here and then we'll touch on scheme and stats a little bit more. I'm glad you mentioned Caleb because uh, they, they've been patient with him to work his way back into form. And I know we focus a lot on the offense and kind of, okay, where is his role there? He gives them some athleticism. He can finish around the rim. 
But it's been unclear because of Hawkes's emergence, Duncan's emergence, re-emergence this year, kind of exactly where Caleb fits on offense. But I know where he fits on defense. I mean, on defense, you know, they need his athleticism, his length, uh, and his effort on that end. That's how he made the team in the first place. Uh, he was not great defensively through the early stretch of the season. Now, whether it was it was the knee, it was rust, or whatever it was, but he's been majorly improved. I think that Hawkins has continued to hold up defensively, even though on offense it's been a little less consistent than it was early in the season, and, and he struggled from three of late. He's four of his last 27 from three, so teams are giving him that shot. So he's been better defensively, I think, uh, uh, lately than he has been offensively, honestly, and at least that part of it is held up. Uh, Duncan, I think, has been consistently better than we expected defensively this year. And for that matter, and I know that I'm going to get flamed on this one, but I think Tyler has too. And I think particularly the -the off-the-ball stuff with Tyler. Now, is he going to get hunted? Of course. But I actually think when he gets hunted, it's sometimes a reflection that the rest of the defense has been good. Because if if he's getting hunted, it's because they don't have enough other guys (laughs) To hunt, they're always he's always going to be the weak link in those situations. But earlier this season, it was hard to differentiate between him and Caleb or him and Josh. Um, I thought Josh's defense got a little bit better before he got hurt, also. Although I don't think it will be at the it was at the level that Delon's defense is going to be at. So I think that they've got more of these guys who are playing at a higher level individually. And Highsmith, we know what he provides defensively. I also think we've kind of figured out what his limitations are defensively, but also the things that he does really well. And then there's Bam, who kind of ties the entire thing together. And I think when you know when Bam missed those couple games and they were giving up like 70 points in the first half, I think you got again got a sense of his importance. So I think a lot of this is just individual kind of will. And and it, you're right, it starts with Jimmy, uh, but it's played into Caleb and all the rest of it. Now, I I think that. Um, you know, as we go forward here, Brady, statistically, you mentioned they want to give up the push shots uh, and that kind of stuff, but they also are okay giving up threes, right? Like they're not like some teams that are trying to take away the three. Go through the philosophy of that and kind of how that's worked out of league. Because sometimes they give up the shot that nobody wants to give up, which is the corner three, and they're comfortable with their defense giving that shot up. Yeah, I mean, they're giving up a ton of threes. And I mean, we know that more than anything because we talk about the zone so much. And that's basically what you're daring the other team to do. You're basically daring them to break your zone, kind of force you in a certain direction and make you rotate. And kind of your your weak link is in those corners, as you mentioned. Uh, and they were plays. And I keep thinking about this Pelicans game because they had a lot of kind of signs in that game where you're like, OK, they're starting to turn it up. Where like their zone is just all over the place anyway because they just nothing's traditional about it. Like they're just running around as suppose as shape-shifting. They're like shape-shifting all over the place. Um, and there were some plays where like Caleb, like is like the t- guy at the top of the zone. And when they're moving it and they kind of, the, the team looks like the Pelicans look like they broke the zone. They swing it to the corner and all of a sudden Caleb's down there in the corner filling in. And then they're switching the zone. Like the stuff just makes no sense that they're able to do in that. So like you're able to kind of get away with, you're kind of mixing in some contested threes. It feels like within that. Uh, but that's always what they're going to give up. They're going to give up a ton of them. It's just kind of figuring out, giving up the right ones. And like I said, it's the rotations. Like when you're, it, it's all kind of trickles down from one another. Like when your point of attack defense is bad and they're getting into the paint, you're not talking about paint points. You're talking about the fact, cause now it's, you're collapsing and you're taking more threes and it's good threes for the other team. Like they're open looks. Now, when you're having in a zone and you're rotating all over the place, yeah, you're still giving up threes, but it feels like you're giving up more comfortable threes for you. And, uh, 
I mean, look, as we're talking about the zone, the other thing I'll say aside from this, because we were talking about some players, Kevin Love's another guy that I think deserves a lot of credit because he's defended really well positionally this year. Like he's, he seems like he's in the zone a ton. They started out when they, when they acquired him pretty much blitzing him the entire time. Like every action he was in, he was pretty much running at the top at the three point line, blitzing and trying to rotate back. And it was like, okay, how long is he gonna be able to do this? Because it's, it's tolling. It, it, it's like you, you at a certain point for a veteran guy like that, I don't know how you can last, but something you can last with is standing in the bottom of that zone and kind of calling out, being a vocal leader, taking charges, uh, and talking about some numbers, the quick number I want to give was so defensive rating is kind of weird this year because obviously Miami's been up and down. It's been uneven with Bam on the floor. They have 110 defensive rating, 110.1 with Kevin Love on the floor. They're 109.7. Now that doesn't tell the full story, but they that just shows how good they've been in those lineups with the zone with Kevin kind of orchestrating down there. So credit to him because. We've been talking about this backup big situation for a long time and, and trying to hold up and not not saying to be having the numbers be better than Bam or anything along those lines. Like you just need the guy to just be somewhat decent, somewhat decent, like even a below average, like barely below average you'll take because over the past few years, it has been absolutely horrible. So they found something with this. They found a, a certain scheme around him to kind of eat up these minutes and, and credit to him because he's figured it out. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that they're they're trending towards a top five defense in the league. When we, we were talking about, can they get out of a half not giving up seventy uh, for a couple of of week period here? All right, when we come back from the break, what I want to get into with Brady a little bit is very specifically how to deal with the best offense in the league this year. Because ultimately, to get to the finals this year, they're going to need to go through Boston and. Missoula's group. I mean, for whatever the criticisms are of him as a leader of the team or anything like that. The one thing, if you if you watch Celtics fans uh, on Twitter and other places, they love sort of his creativity on offense and what he's created with the Celtics. And I, I want to get into some of these combinations and what that might look like against a team like them. And also, uh, they're going to be seeing Denver and OKC over the next week, two of the other better offensive teams in the league. So we'll touch on that as well uh, as we go forward. Do you want to mention another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network? That OKC game I mentioned, um, you can hang out with us for that one. That one is on the 8th of March. That's a Friday. We're going to be at Rock Esports Center. We're going to do this a little bit different this time. It's in Palmetto Bay. We're going to do the 2K tournament first. So we're going to do it at 5 o'clock that time, and we're going to have contest uh, prizes for everybody there. And then we're going to watch that game. It's an 8 o'clock Eastern start. Heat at OKC. Check out Rock Esports Center. Any day of the week, actually. Uh, it's a great spot. They got plenty of parking. It's not like most of the spots in Miami. You're trying to park for three weeks. Uh, we know what's going on in spring break down there. They won't let you park anywhere. You need, you need a helicopter. Go to Rock Esports Center in Palmetto Bay, and they got all kinds of games there. You can play just about anything, not just 2K. Okay, all the most popular games now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. And it's $25 to play all day, but if you mention five reasons, you get five bucks off and play all day for $20. So check them out. It's Rock Esports Center. It's in Palmetto Bay, just south of University of Miami. And again, we will be there on March 8th for the OKC game. All right, let's get let's get to that first before we get to Boston here. Um they're gonna see they're gonna see some interesting offensive teams here over the next week or so. They got the Kings with no Jimmy. They've got Denver to close the trip. And then they got a little bit of a hiatus there against some of the teams that are coming into Miami with uh with the Jazz and Pistons. But then they have a two game trip in Dallas where they see Luca. Uh, they've been on fire since Kyrie came back, and and they've got some bigs now who can kind of do the dirty work, uh, which and let, let Luca and Kyrie handle the offense. And then they've got OKC on the eighth, so I'm uh, mixed in with some bad teams like the Wizards, Pistons, etc. They're seeing the Nuggets twice in two weeks, uh, the the Thunder, the Mavericks, and the Kings. Uh, do, are there specific things that you think that Miami can do to frustrate? some of these teams at, at, with the current personnel that they have. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the personnel because it's more, and we talked about this a while for a while, but the, it's about rotations. It feels like at this point, like there are certain matchups. And I know you said we're going to get to Boston a little bit, but like there's certain, like a matchup like Boston, they're going to have to change up the rotation. It feels like in a playoff series, like Spo has that in the back of his pocket right now. Uh, I think that they've, they've logged a couple of these matchups now where, where, I talked about it with Duncan where I talked about this Boston matchup where he's like, yeah, they've gotten us this season, but like, like kind of like we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to regroup. Like we're going to regroup again. Like we, like we have in the past where I think they're going to go bigger where we're talking about Kevin Love as the backup five. I think there's, we're going to see a lot more Kevin Love Bam lineups where they try to just match a little bit of size on Porzingis and try to move things around because yeah, they have a lot of length and they have a lot of offensive talent teams like the thunder. Uh, they played OKC played in Miami. Obviously I think it was, was it this month or last month? But they scored. I think they put up 128 on Miami. Like they were they were scoring at will. And it was a lot of Shea. It was a lot of what they've been willing to do. And that's when it's going to come down. It feels like more, more than the size. That feels like a game where it's going to come down to the perimeter defense. Like you cannot let Shea, as hard as it is, to, it's much easier to say it than do it, but kind of get into his mode where he's able to kind of force everything as an offense. So it really does feel like matchups. But when we're talking about a defense podcast, we really have to just – focus everything around Bam. Like we probably haven't even touched on Bam enough for what we should, because he is what makes everything work for this defense. They can move him around in so many different ways. They can make, make a choice like they made against the Timberwolves where they say, okay, Jovic, you go guard 
Valanciunas, so we're putting Bam on Zion. So that when they go at your matchup, Bam's just going to be their weak side. If they want to try Zion, well, Bam's guarding Zion one-on-one, and he's just going to block his shot with even without even having to jump. Then there's the point where I think they get to the playoffs where they've been dro- dropping the entire season. And we talked about those push shots they're forcing. They're doing that stuff. I think there's certain matchups like maybe Boston, even though I, I don't really love that one specifically because they Porzingis can kind of hurt certain mismatches. But these other matchups that they could see in the playoffs where it's like, okay, we're going to switch again. We're just going to have to switch all over the place. We're going to let Bam guard the perimeter. We're going to play a little bit more Kevin Love with Bam and let Kevin Love kind of clean up the boards. So and we're going to run from here. It just feels like, and this is what we said to start the season when we looked at this roster, they do have more options. Like, they do have more rotational, uh, defensive options kind of working at different lineups. Depends if they're healthy. So that'll be the thing to watch. And then the last thing, and I'll ask you this, Ethan, because I want to get your opinion on this. Terry Rozier is going to be back soon. He's going to be closing. Tyler Hero, 100% going to be closing. Mm -hmm. I think we're just going to hit a point where we're just going to have to look at the fact, can they survive not getting hunted, as you said, not just Tyler, but like mm-hmm. Tyler and Terry, because Terry's a smaller matchup they're going to look for. I'm just curious to see, because there's going to be certain matchups where they're going to be trying to kind of hold their own without getting hunted. Fifth lineup spot to close games is going to be really interesting to watch for that reason. And I know that some Heat fans will be like, well, you don't have to close with Terry. You don't have to close with Tyler. But more times than not, Eric Spolcher is going to close with both. And I, th- they didn't send a first-round pick, and the Kyle Lowry expiring for Terry Rozier for him to sit at the end of games. And they are not going to sit Tyler Hero consistently at the end of games. So I would say 75% of the time, he's going to roll with Rozier and Hero. I I think there are times there could be adjustments. If another lineup really has it going, or maybe Miami gets back into the game with another lineup, and we know that Spo likes to let those lineups ride when that happens. But I think for the most part, the plan is going to be that with six minutes left, when Jimmy comes back into the game, that Rozier and Hero are out there with him, and Bam as well. And that makes the fifth spot the really important spot defensively. And that's what I'm curious about, because it makes it tough to play Duncan, even as much as Duncan has improved, and even as much as Duncan uh, unlocks some of their other lineups, if they're going to have Rozier and Hero out there with Duncan, it makes it harder to switch stuff. Uh, And again, point of attack, general quickness of the lineup. Again, Rozier's quick enough, but you're going to give up some size with that backcourt. It's it's difficult to do that. So then you're like, okay, who's that other guy going to be? Is it Hawkins? Well, it was early in the season, but if if Jaime's not making, and this is why I keep harping on Jaime being four of 27 from three since he came back from the injury, because if he's not making that shot, I don't think he closes consistently because that's the shot that other teams are going to give the heat on the other, on the other end is they're going to let, they're going to try to force uh, Jaime to, to make that shot. So then you kind of dial it back. Well, is it Highsmith? Well, there are such limitations offensively with Haywood that I don't think so a lot. It hasn't been love for most of the season. So I think we're right back where we started. I think it's Caleb Martin. I, and I, I think that's why where you why you talked about him at the beginning of the podcast. Could they use DeLon Wright? Yes, but they're gonna if they use him, it's gonna be to replace Rozier or Hero late. Uh and essentially it may be that Terry sits because if Tyler's getting hunted, at least you put DeLon out there and control one of the guys in the backcourt. But otherwise, this is one of the reasons I think they didn't trade Caleb Martin, because I, I think they recognize 
that with Rozier and Hero at the end of games, Caleb's going to need to cover a lot of ground. And some of the stuff that you're talking about with rotations and, oh, wait, what happened? Oh, wait, Caleb's in the play. And Caleb makes a deflection. Or Caleb... Uh, and, and you know that they can run and maybe get some easy ones with Caleb, too. He kind of forces Jimmy to run sometimes. Um, I, I think that's why they're going to be cycling back to Caleb. And that's why, again, Jovic doesn't fit there late in the game with them. Love doesn't fit with them late in the game. I think it's harder to play Duncan. And I think it's hard to play Hawkins if he's not making the three. And I think Delon is situational. So um, we saw him play Josh Richardson a lot during the stretch early this season. But again, if he has Wright and he has uh, Rozier, I don't think that's going to be happening much. So, I, come back to this: Caleb is the swing guy here, and and I and I think if Caleb continues to defend well, Bam is their most important defensive player by far, not even close. Jimmy is their barometer defensively because, like you said, when he's playing with energy. But Caleb's the cleanup guy, I think, for a lot of this other stuff that's happening. And that's, I think, how Caleb continues to endear himself to them and keeps a contract. Would, would you agree that with, with the way that things look, that he becomes the fifth? I still, yeah, I still think it's situational a little bit, but it does get to a certain point where Spo is going to trust Caleb over Hawkins. Even though he trusts the rookie, we've seen it this season, I think, and it comes down to a late in the playoff game, he's going to go to Caleb. And the only question I have with that is we're talking about Caleb and kind of the stuff he's doing at the point of attack. And if you're having Terry and Tyler in those lineups where they're kind of guarding the guards, there's certain teams where it's like, okay, Caleb or Jimmy is going to really have to size up. And it, this is nothing new. We talked about this. <laughs> we see this in every single playoff run and we've kind of probably overemphasized it because it probably never ends up really mattering to that extent. But it is going to hit a certain point where they are going to have to do that. Like, it's not going to be the same Caleb role. And that's why, as I said at the start this, why the other schematics of Spo kind of funneling through stuff is going to be important. Because they're going to have to just run through what they always do in the playoffs. They're going to run through, like, four different coverages. And just keep kind of just shuffling them a little bit. Because you cannot let teams like that get comfortable. It's hard to kind of close games with zone. But I think in, if you have Terry and Tyler, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it and kind of let Terry or Tyler kind of just deal with one of them at the bottom of the zone, one of them at the top, and just kind of see if you can kind of force certain shots instead of them getting hunted. So we'll see what Spo does at that point, but I do agree. Because Haywood, we've seen even the regular season, there's been points where I thought he's played really well and defended really well, and he doesn't end up closing. Uh, and then Hawkes, he has trusted, but like I said, I still think there is that lean of Caleb. And I think a lot of people would want to see Duncan, with the way he's been playing, kind of rolling in. But is there like can he close? Like I I don't know. Like it's gonna it's well, tough. I, I don't think I, I think he can close, but I don't know that he can close consistently with the two of them. And I right. think that Spo will take the trade off where it's okay. Let's at least make sure we have a guy who is defense first, who's maybe not going to pick up the ticky tack fouls. He might get a little bit more respect from the officials than Duncan does. A little bit more versatile defensively, even though Duncan has improved. And let's see which of these guys can make an open three because they're going to be left open from three. So I do think the offense matters a little bit, but it's such a limited offensive role that you're talking about. If you have Rozier and hero and bam and Jimmy, that it's really just about defend your ass off and knock down that corner three or whatever, if it becomes available. And ultimately that becomes a contest between Caleb Hawkins and Highsmith not so much, and maybe DeLon Wright, but I think he trails in this regard. We haven't even seen him on the floor yet. Uh, and not so much Duncan in those situations. And that's why I think with Duncan, I think what matters is 
finding him the 25 minutes before that before the last six so if you're if you're playing 42 make sure he gets 25 which means if he's coming off the bench keep those stints long so he has an opportunity to play with bam when he cycles back in so he has opportunity to play with jimmy so he's an opportunity to space the floor with tyler so he's an opportunity to play with hawkes uh you know cutting and all that kind of stuff i think that's where where those minutes come from but i think those final six if it's going to be tyler and terry this is going to be a topic there's no question there's going to be a game where the two of them are hunted and again particularly against bigger if you have bigger quicker guards like you got like shea type guards and not a lot of those he's an mvp candidate but i'm talking about they're going to hunt those guys we saw with maxi okay in in uh in philly last year and and Rozier doesn't necessarily solve that problem. So I, I think that Caleb is to me the leader in the clubhouse because he does defend and he can give you just enough offensively in that role. But if he doesn't make the open threes, I think there becomes an opportunity for Hakez uh, in particular to fill that role if he does. Again, what a guy does best is not necessarily what they most need. And that's where when fans kind of get into it, like, well, this guy should be playing, that guy should be playing. Well, yeah, Jovich has a better skill set than probably 12 of the guys on this roster. But for what this team needs right now in certain situations, he doesn't fit as well with particular lineups and in those circumstances. And I feel like that's what we're talking about with the closing when we get into maybe Duncan's situation as opposed to, say, Caleb. So I, I think... I think Caleb is going to matter a lot. I think that's why his health matters a lot. And I think the fact that he's playing better defense is going to matter uh, a lot. All right. So you, you sort of hit on it with Boston. I, I, I'll, I'll say this on, on the Celtics. The thing that they got to fix uh, for Boston next time around is they got, they need a plan for Porzingis. I, I, I think that uh, we've always talked about it in the context of Tatum and Brown, and I understand the challenges that both present. Porzingis is the unicorn in this situation, and I, I, I just, he's given them something differently in terms of their spacing, his ability to see the floor. He's been much better for them than I thought he would be, and provided he's healthy, which is always the question, Brady, I I think that is the challenge. They're going to have to figure out a plan there um, once they see Boston in the playoffs, which I think we all anticipate they will. The only way you can neutralize the unicorn is if you play your own unicorn. <laughs> and it gets to the point where – you play Boston. I'm not opposed to the Jovic starting lineup that we've been seeing. And I know everybody's kind of seeing this Jovic starting lineup and everybody has in the back of their head, okay, when the playoffs start, I suppose probably going to go back to what he trusts more. <laughs> and it's probably going to end up with a Jovic DNP to start the playoffs. And he's going to go smaller and go defense and do all this stuff. But then I think there could be a regroup session where he does make sense for that matchup in some ways. You allow Kevin Love, you give Bam a guy next to him that has a little bit of length that they can do different things with. You allow Kevin Love to still play his role. Uh, I don't know. That's just the one thing that I think about that they could pull that card. Um, but 100%. Like the stuff that they did in the first Boston matchup where, where Jimmy was switching on a Porzingis every play and Porzingis is shooting over the top. Like there, there's no discomfort there. Like, no matter what matchup Porzingis is getting against these smaller guys, when he's shooting over the top of you, like, there's nothing you could do. You could be a really good defender, but when you're at the guy's chest, it's just nothing you can do. So, and then the last of the matchup, you know, they tried to switch some things up. They tried to glue some things to him. And then all of a sudden they worked the, the backside where he was just getting a bunch of lobs, where it was just kind of him kind of using that length. Uh, and they were so focused on on kind of the other guys on the perimeter that it led to that stuff. So 100%, they're not, they're, they're the number one offense for a reason. I just think a lot of people know when it comes down to a playoff series and you have the the more experienced, more trusted coach, 
that they're going to be able to figure out some of these things, but I'm not usually the guy that's calling for extra size. Like I'm, I've never really been a proponent of that. Like I think they could figure it out with most matchups, but in the potential Boston matchup, I think there is a, a, that is one of those things where I think they would have to kind of look at that. Yeah. And I'm sure that when Boston made that move, they had this in mind, Um, you know, and how Miami would, would match up or not match up with it. Because we know that the Celtics, as much as there's talk about the Bucks and the Sixers and the Knicks and all and the Cavs, we, we know which team the Celtics are really think is going to be there at the end. And and Paul Pierce, of all people, kind of gave voice to that uh, by saying it's really only the heat that he takes seriously. All right. Thanks to Brady. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, use the code 5FIVE at prizepicks.com. And uh, also, of course, uh, uh, we also mentioned our other sponsors, Rock Esports Center. And that's Rock Esports Center. Check it out with us on the 8th of March. Heat, OKC, and a 2K tournament with plenty of prizes. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.